After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a large deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, Gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. When Jesus realized that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. Now it was dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. They wanted to take him into the boat, And immediately the boat reached the land towards which they were going. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I invite you to be seated. And I thank you all once again for having me here with you today. It's been a long time since I've been in a Lutheran church to worship. As an army chaplain, we don't have that opportunity. Actually, the last time I was in a Lutheran church, I was telling Tim, was when I was here back in November. And um, even though I'm a guest here, I I feel like I'm coming home. Earlier this week, I was at Camp Parks, where, where I work, in the dining facility. And I was talking over lunch with a superior officer who was visiting the camp. And we had both, incidentally, just seen the documentary called The Pat Tillman Story. Some of you may be more familiar with his story than I am, but Pat Tillman was the NFL player originally from Fremont who left professional football to join the Army after September 11th. While he was out on a patrol in Afghanistan, Pat was shot and and killed by friendly fire. And this tragic reality 
wasn't one that the military or other officials originally told Pat's family. Those who knew the truth kept it from his parents because they thought a different story might be a little bit easier to swallow than reality. But his family sensed that there was something wrong and they wouldn't rest until they were sure they got the real story, even if it meant years of of heartache and years of research and travel to DC to question and to challenge top government officials. As my friend and I were talking about this, I said something to him like, how horrible it is for the army not to be up front with this family. And we can see that all of these lies just caused more problems for everybody in the end. And he looked at me and he said, well, Kirsten, what would you tell a family when they faced a senseless death like that? What would you tell him? And in that moment when he said that, I was appalled, and I wanted to tell him the truth. Sir, I would tell them the truth. And even though I didn't say that out loud to him, in that same breath that I spoke, I made this silent promise to myself on Monday that I would not hide the truth from people who needed to hear it, just so that life might be able to move on a little more peacefully for everyone. And we can see today, even from ancient times, that when something happens as it shouldn't, or when somebody makes a heinous mistake, leaders, humanity, everyone, we all often try to hide the facts for our protection. For the protection of the ones we serve, we may try to convince ourselves, but maybe ultimately for our own protection. We just heard that it happened late one afternoon when David saw Bathsheba and took her as he wanted. No one would find out. And then she returned to him and said, I'm pregnant. Then David did all he could to cover what really happened. Bring her husband back from the field. When that didn't work out for him, send him back and send him up to the front. Get rid of him. Kill him. Let's hide this because reality is a little too much for all of us to face. I'll do anything to bury the truth, even if it means burying this other person, because he cannot know. And it's so easy for me to point my finger at David to point my finger at people in my own life and to say to them, just tell the truth. It's ugly, but it's better to face the facts up front. Why did you lie to your family about what happened so many years ago? Or can't you stop that company from ripping off the public? Or come on, what's the, what's the real prognosis? Just confess, even if you think that they can't handle it. Lies in hiding only beget more, and they cause us all to hide so much that we feel like prisoners, even when we're technically free. And I told you on Monday, I made this silent vow to myself that I'd have the courage to be honest, even if the cost was very high or the facts very hard to face, right? Better to be honest right from the start. 
But then on Thursday, the phone rang, and it was a higher headquarters telling me that, hey, you need to drop everything right now, and you need to go on a casualty notification. We chaplains always accompany another soldier who tells family members that their son or their daughter or their wife or their husband has died, and chaplains never deliver the message. We go with the soldier who does that, and we're supposed to support the soldier who delivers the message and support the family who receives it. And this soldier who died made it through two combat tours, came back to his home base in North Carolina, and then died in a very senseless situation. Though the notification and uh, though the notification officer and I, after receiving our, our briefing from the higher headquarters, uh, realized that the soldier likely killed himself, we couldn't tell the family details until an investigation is complete. And I have every reason to believe that the family will receive what they need to receive. And protocol is there's a messenger who delivers the message and then someone else who follows up. Nonetheless, I sat in front of his mother on Thursday as she was crying and trembling and couldn't say anything until finally she looked at me and she said, can you tell me? Can you tell me what happened? What happened? At least he, at least he didn't kill himself. And at some level, I wanted to grab her by the hand and I wanted to tell her everything that I knew. And I wanted her to know that somehow in any situation that Christ is merciful. I gathered that her own church wouldn't give her that message. I wanted to tell her that in the end, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. But instead, I just looked back at her and I shook my head. I looked down at my feet and on Thursday, I broke the promise I made to myself on Monday. And I don't share this story with you so that later on you can tell me either that I was wrong or that I just did the best I could in the situation that I found myself. I share it with you because this week gave me some time to reflect both on the importance of the truth and also how quickly I, we, can judge others in their own mistakes. There I found myself doing exactly what I said I would never do. And there I found myself hoping and trusting that somehow all of us would find mercy. And despite all of our mistakes, God always finds a way to uncover the truth. Next week, You'll read about it for David through the words of Nathan the prophet when he says to him, You are the man, David. For Tillman 
and his family, it was through some brave friends and for his mother's tireless efforts. God in Christ promises us the truth even when we don't want it or even when we don't expect anything good will come from it. That's the story that we have. That's the life we have that Christ shares, that we know that near the end of his own life, his closest friends ran away rather than having the courage to face the facts, but the truth just stood there, exposed in the midst of chaos, in the midst of lies, even to his death, even to his being buried in the ground, but came back to say, fear isn't the last word. I am here. Do not be afraid. I'm with you. Just as he told his disciples again today in that story from John. And every Sunday, Christ calls us back together to confess all of our our failings as we do together as a community, to receive mercy and also to touch his body for strength as we continue on our journey. And this truth that he gives us, his, his word, his promise, his body, his blood is enough to carry us through some of the hardest times in our life, even when we think we can't go any further. That's what these upcoming gospel stories about bread are partly about. They tell us that Christ is with us, and they point us to a new day. Sometimes I wonder if there weren't a few more people who may have had some bread that day that Jesus fed the thousands, but they were afraid to pull it out and show others what they had because the consequences might have met a riot. I've been in situations in my own life where I said, oh no, we don't have any water because I knew there wasn't enough for everybody, and I knew that if I pulled out one bottle, there would be trouble. I wonder if they thought, let's, let's hide it, because if others know what we have, it could be dangerous for us. And I wonder if as Jesus took those loaves and the fish from that little boy, and as he shared them with others, that others began to not fear that there wouldn't be enough, and others began pulling bits of bread from under their tunics or from their pockets and sharing it too. And as Jesus fed them, they realized it's going to be okay. And more people began to join in the sharing. Sometimes the truth works that way. We get pieces of it, and then more comes out, and we realize it's going to be okay. One insignificant person with what seems like a very insignificant gift or insignificant word has the courage to stand up and say, yes, I have something to give, even if what I have to give may not be enough, or if it might leave others empty, I have this, and I can't keep it from the community. Then Jesus takes it, and he He doesn't say, hey, I know you over there. You have something, too. Bring it up here. He doesn't say, I saw you in the back sneak a bite when no one was looking. He just takes what he has, and he distributes it back. He takes the bread. He takes the fish. He takes his body. He takes 
his blood, and he pours it out for everybody to have. And I wonder if when he did that that day, others realized that there was honestly, honestly enough, that I too have something that I can give. We don't know exactly how it happened that day. That's the mystery of so many of Christ's miracles. But what we do know from this story and from all of our stories woven together with Christ is that no matter what our fears are and no matter how we fail and no matter if we're hiding the truth or no matter if we're hiding gifts that we could share with the world, that Jesus calls us back to the table every week and he shares the truth with us, his body and his blood. And as he does that, something happens. The truth that we might fear or the lies that we may have been hiding don't seem so strong. And what we wanted to hide from others, Jesus takes. He works a miracle and then he gives it back to strengthen the world. And he gives us all strength in our trials and he gives us joy to spread the real truth that he spoke this day. Do not fear. Christ is here to feed us, to form us, to free us from all fear until we rest with him in the promised future. And until then, nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord, who is our only truth. Amen.